You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org. I wonder if anybody saw this paper last week in the New York Times. It was called, um, She Can Play That, this paper, this article, last week in the New York Times. It's called, She Can Play That Game Too. Should have warned some of your parents about what I'm about to talk about. Oh, well, here we go. It's called... <laughs> The guys on college campuses want to have casual sex, and the girls want romance, right? Increasingly, however, women are the ones looking to hook up. It's an interesting article. It's based on some studies they did at the University of Pennsylvania on the hookup culture at Penn. And it begins with a story of a young woman that the article calls A, who, after she finishes studying, sends a text to her regular hookup, the guy she is sleeping with, but not dating. Hooking up can refer to anything from making out to sexual intercourse, the uh, article explains. And when asked why she won't have a relationship while she's at Penn, one that involves a mutual commitment to love one another, she'll talk about cost-benefit analysis and the low-risk, low-investment costs of hooking up. I positioned myself in college in such a way that I can't have a meaningful romantic relationship because I'm always busy and the people that I'm interested in are always busy too. And I know everyone says, make time, make time, said the woman. But there's so many other things going on in my life that I find so important that I just like can't make time. And I don't wanna make time. Now it might sound extreme, but apparently, you know, the article says 25% of guys, a quarter of the guys, uh, 20% of the women are fully bought in to the hookup culture. It's dangerous, too. The article tells stories of violation and rape. And the surprise that they talk about is that despite um, this hookup culture being perceived as propelled by men, it's, it's just as much joined in on as women. As one woman said, I hear marriage is great. You get to go on this journey of change together. That sounds terrible. I don't want to go through those changes with you. It's hookup culture versus dating and long-term commitment. Now tonight we're reading from the prophets, and the reason I talk about this isn't because this is a sermon on sex. It's because I'm preaching specifically from a prophet called Hosea. And he's one of many prophets that rebuked the people of God, calling them a hookup culture when it comes to religion. A people who would rather get all the benefits that God has to offer without any of the costs of a long-term relationship. A people who were busy, surrounded by others who were busy. A people who decided that all of the changes and the risks of a long-term marriage journey, what the Bible calls a covenant relationship, sounded terrible. We don't wanna go through all those changes with you, Lord, God's people said. Let us hook up with some of these small G gods who give us some measure of relief or pleasure or a sense of being alive, and then let us go on with our concerns without your demands. And speaking through the prophet Hosea, the Lord said, listen, I've had enough of this. The Lord rebukes his people for this this scandalous, empty, religious hookup culture. If you'll turn in in your pew Bibles to page 730, We're going to be reading from 2.14, but let me read you a few of the things that the Lord says through his prophet Hosea to his people. The she that God is talking about is is all of God's people together. 
And he says, I will put an end to all her mirth, her festivals, her new moons, her Sabbaths, all her appointed festivals. I will lay waste her vines and her fig trees of which she said, these are my pay, which my lovers have given me. I will make them a forest and the wild animals shall devour them. I will punish her. And then he says what he really intends to do. So why don't you stand and read with me at verse 14, if you're able. Hosea chapter 2, verse 14, going through verse 20. Let's read it together. Therefore, I will now allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. From there, I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Acre a door of hope. There she shall respond as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. On that day, says the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be mentioned by name no more. I will make for you a covenant on that day with the wild animals, the birds of the air, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and the war from the land. And I will make you lie down in safety. And I will take you for my wife forever. I will take you for my wife in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will take you for my wife in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we admit that we are people, you know, really easily distracted and attracted by lesser things than you. I pray that our time with Hosea tonight will return us to you as our first love. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So last week, we considered the um, poetry books of the Bible, the wisdom literature, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, Psalm of Solomon's, uh, Lamentations. And I suggested to you that this thing that we call the Law and the Prophets that Jesus talks about all the time, the history books, Genesis on through to about Esther, and then the prophets, Isaiah through Malachi, uh, can become this sort of loop like you find, say, on CNN or the news, where you have a story that happens over here with all the events that are told, and then you have the expert analysis, that would be the prophets, and, and a meaningless religion goes from, you know, the story of who God is and what God's done to the analysis, here's what you should do, back to the story of who God is and what God's done to the analysis of here's what you should do, you know, back and forth and back and forth without ever actually touching down and hitting your lives. And what the poetry books do, what worship does, what the wisdom literature does is interrupt that loop to bring us back into a posture of, of celebration or prayer, of grieving or, or, or simply daily living with the fear of God, the God in our sights instead of just this loop. Now, this is the gift of the poetry literature. It brings us back to Jesus Christ, who's the wisdom of God. So that was last week. Now, this week, after I told you about this meaningless religious loop, I'm preaching on the prophets. And you might wonder to yourself, well, why do we still listen to God's voice in these ancient prophets then? Didn't she just say that that's one way to do empty religion is law, prophets, law, prophets, law, prophets? Because most of us know one thing about the Old Testament prophets, and it's what we heard in that Jesus storybook, right? They predicted the future. Specifically, they predicted 
when Jesus was going to come and where and what Jesus would do. And so now that we live in a time after Jesus has come, aren't they just history? I mean, this is where they sit in the Bible, too, between the Old Testament and the New. Why do we still listen to him? Well, I'm going to suggest tonight that like the wisdom literature, the prophets still prepare us for Jesus, still call us to Jesus, but simply in a very different way. They call us to Jesus the living word. Because the main job description of a prophet isn't to tell you the future. The main job description of a prophet is to speak God's living word into the dead places of your life. To speak the reality of the living word into your places of exile and wilderness. The prophets called people back then to abandon their hookup religion that wants all benefits and no cost. And they call us now to abandon our hookup religions that want all benefits and no cost. So how do they do this? Well, let's just listen for Hosea. Hosea, I think, is a tantalizing and really provocative prophet. Here's the story of Hosea in a nutshell. Spurned lover out looking for his wayward wife, seduced away from him by her desires, and the God who is determined to entice her right back. This is, is one of the prophets who was, was crying out to God's people before they went into exile, and they saved these words to remind themselves why they ended up in exile. So let me tell you the story Hosea tells and frankly lives in these books. It's a story about a sordid love affair and a marriage gone wrong. It's the kind of story that you kind of look up online on people.com or Daily Mail or whatever. The kind of story you hope you're not going to find yourself in. The kind of story that tragically some of us here have already found ourselves in. There's a man who's head over heels in love with a woman. He woos her. He wins her. He's a sucker for this woman. But he's no pushover. This is a solid guy. And he's not stupid. He's just not flashy. And he warns her, you know, I know what's going to happen here. We'll get married, and after a while, you're going to get bored. You'll be comfortable and well cared for, and first, my love is going to seem routine, and then it's just going to seem stifling. We'll hit lean patches, times when connection isn't so easy, when the costs of a long-haul committed relationship don't seem to come anywhere near the benefits. And one day, walking down the street, there he'll be, Mr. Benefits with no cost, and he is a good-looking man. He'll promise you all the excitement you used to feel with me. He'll tell you there's no cost involved. He'll tell you you're free to go whenever you want to, but you cannot stop thinking about him. You can't find yourself free of your desire for him. And you'll become so brazen with this affair that even when I discover it, that isn't going to stop you. Even when you find out the gifts he's giving you, the good things you're getting, are actually stolen and taken from me, you're not going to stop. I'll remind you of the promises that we made. I'll do what I can to bring you back to your senses. I'll block your access to him, but you won't care. Eventually, I'll turn you out of the house, cut off your income, expose your infidelity, and you will still be down on the street corner looking for another Mr. Benefits. Your lust will know no limits. So I'll take you to court. Call our children as witnesses against you. Call your lovers into the room to expose their lies and manipulation. And even then, facing the loss of your life, the loss of your dignity, the loss of your reputation, your past, your future, you will call me 
hateful and spiteful, possessive and demanding. At which point I'm going to have no other choice. I will entice you like you have never been enticed before. I will pursue you with a passion that makes all the rest of those lovers look like choir boys. Now, you don't see that coming, do you? That is almost, I mean, that's a literal rephrasing of the beginning of Hosea. Sometimes when we take the Hebrew um, language and put it into English, it's like making it into vanilla. It's a really racy language. And Hosea goes in here at verses 13, after 13, when Hosea, the Lord says through Hosea, I'm going to punish her, what do we expect? I'm done. She's out of here. The divorce is final. I'm never coming back to this woman. I'm starting over with someone who will appreciate me, with someone who will love me, new relationship, new people, purity. I'm going for purity. And instead, God says, I'm coming after you again. I'm loving you harder and better than I ever have before. We'll go back to the beginning. That's the talk of Egypt and coming out of Egypt. We'll go back to the places we first fell in love. That's the talk of the wilderness. I will romance you until you feel like you'll break out in song from pure pleasure, the prophet says. I'll love you until I am the only name you call out. Did you catch that? You're not going to use the name Baal anymore. The Lord, that will be the only name on your lips. I will make you mine again with integrity and justice that never tolerates the slightest hint of manipulation or abuse with compassion and unfailing love. I will make you mine with a firmness that never lets you go. That's God's message to the prophet Hosea. And it's pretty passionate stuff. I mean, it makes you kind of wonder, why the shock prophecy? I mean, why use words like whoring when you can use a perfectly religious word like disobedience, right? Why, why use entice when command is very near at hand, it's used over and over again. Why talk of romance and elaborate proposals when everyone knows that real religion is about no-nonsense commitment? It's the head up. Well, maybe it's because, like us, Hosea's audience has gotten detached in their religion from their bodies and their desires. And isn't it your bodies and our desires that draw us away from God? that cause us to hide certain parts of our lives or just pursue something or someone else? Maybe more accurately, bodies and desires have gotten so used to living so far from God that the only way to woo them and us back is for God to start right there. Start with the places where we prefer to hook up for the short term rather than love for the long haul. Because see, here's what God's people did. They wanted the benefit of being alive each day without the cost of committing one of those days a Sabbath to the Lord. They wanted the benefit of wealth without the cost of giving the first 10%, the first fruits, the best that they had, back to God for the care of the poor. They wanted the benefit of a huge and fruitful harvest without the cost of opening up the edges of their field for the gleaning of those who had no land to work. They wanted the benefit of a solid home and a safe home without the cost of having to deal with strangers and aliens. They wanted the benefit of power without the cost of standing up to injustice. And they wanted the benefits of, of, of 
abundance without the cost of service. And all those benefits, when they pursued those benefits as an end in themselves rather than a gift, those are the idols and the gods, the other lovers that Hosea talks about and the Lord talks about through Hosea. So you can see why spiritual adultery is so easy. It isn't like we mean to transfer our hopes and our loves to, and our devotion to somebody else or something else. It's, it's just so simple. It's so accessible. They're right there. Work, relationships, hunger, sex, the desire to escape, they're there all the time pursuing us. We don't even have to go looking for them. And God's way is so demanding. I mean, why bother when I can take in a movie for like 12 bucks? Why bother when a three-hour commitment there is so simple? When I can relax and forget for a time for the price of an $8 martini at happy hour, five if it's a good happy hour. When I'm so close to the next level at work, when an afternoon shopping can satisfy so quickly, when an evening sex is so easy to pick up, why bother with these other demands? When we can have the benefits of time without the cost of serving, we can have the benefit of, of travel and safe travel without the cost of using that travel to actually invest in someplace else. When we can have the benefit of money without the cost of caring for the poor, the, the, poor, the benefit of a great time with friends without the cost of inviting someone who's bothersome or new or who we don't know very well. See, here is hookup religion in a nutshell. God, I want every gift you have to offer without any of the cost of a long-term faithful relationship with a God who calls me to holiness, faithfulness, justice, and mercy. I want all the benefits you have to give without any of the call to holiness or faithfulness or justice or mercy. And what is the cost of all this really? I mean, if we don't feel it personally. Well, according to the prophets, the cost lines up in the culture that we're living in, in the society we create. Did you catch in, in, in the story I told you how God calls the children of this adulterous nation to witness against her? Here's the metaphor that's going on in Hosea. You may think there's no cost this hookup religion you've got, the Lord says. But if you look at what you're creating and what you call culture or society at your children, they'll testify against you. And here's the testimony that the Lord gave through the prophets, what Israelite culture and society became like because they were a hookup religion. And I want you to listen to it. See if there's any parts of this that resemble our culture, our society. Just in case you think that this idea that we are a people of hookup religion is too harsh. See, God's prophets called out the warning and they said, listen, for one thing, your inner life and your outer actions don't connect. Hypocrisy is rampant in the workplace, in the church, in the schools, and in our homes. Politics and systems and process replaced honest, face-to-face, -face, sincere relationships. Human dignity and personal safety disintegrate. There are so many broken promises and false oaths that any ability to trust the integrity of another person is severely compromised. People cry out for justice. Lawsuits spring up like weeds. The powerful rule the courts. Your courtrooms are entertainment and justice is missing in the land. You are a people immersed in cynicism who lose the ability to respond with genuine compassion to the violence and the suffering around you because compassion is too costly. 
and your abilities to stick with each other, to love unconditionally for the long haul, last about as long as the morning dew. You abandon the wife of your youth, the slightest heat from real life, and you break your promises to one another. That was the description that the ancient prophets used for Israel. That was the result of their adultery with other gods. That was what sent them into exile. And this is when God fires up. I did not create you for that. God thunders through his prophets. I'm not going to give you up to those lesser lovers or the illegitimate children in your culture and society that are created when you give your hearts to them. And just when you'd expect God to turn us out, to shut the door forever, to tell us we're pathetic and diseased and failures, and and he's going to start with someone or something pure, God doubles and triples and quadruples his loving pursuit of us. Just when you think you've gone too far from God or God's gone too far from you, God doubles his pursuit of you. Because hear this clearly, God's grace didn't suddenly start up in the New Testament. It's right there between verses 13 and 14 of Hosea. When right when God should have thrown her out, God instead says, therefore I will allure you and pursue you. This is the grace that God promises in the words of the prophets. And we listen to these ancient words because just like the children of Israel, when we run after these lesser lovers, when we go after Mr. Benefits with no cost, we find ourselves harmed. There was a blog post, a blog entry by a father who read this article about the hookup culture at Penn State. He wrote it as a letter to his daughters. It's pretty direct. But to let them know he expected better for them and of them. That's basically what the prophets do and what God does through the prophets. And God does it especially through the immense, unquestionable love that becomes a person in Jesus Christ. Because it's in Jesus that God says, I'm going to entice you out of the wilderness, out of that that lost and lonely place that you're wandering. I want to speak directly to your heart. I will return you, I promise to a place of abundance and joy. I will make the desperate, shameful grave sites of past failure into a doorway of hope. I will provide the integrity you lack. I will provide the justice you lack and you cry out for. I will give you unconditional love and I will give you gut-wrenching compassion. I will remain faithful. And I will pursue you to the point of my own humiliation and suffering and death. I will forgive you. I will heal you. I will bring you home and make you mine. See, today in worship, we come to this table of God's immense love for us in Jesus Christ. It's a table set in the wilderness. It's here to remind us. Hosea prepares us for this scandalous love of Jesus. And do you remember what Jesus used to say? Come to me first. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And then, count the cost. Pick up your cross. Follow me. I'm no hookup. This is a journey of real life and abundant life. It's long term. Because the reality is your other loves have left you abused and used and empty. If they're anyone or anything apart from Jesus Christ. 
So I want to give you a few minutes before Bianca comes up to pray and before we take the table to, to sit and pray to Jesus, to confess any of the places where, where you tend to look for benefits without cost, a, a kind of a hookup religion. And instead then of just looping back over to what God expects of you, come back to this passionate, abundant, remarkable love of God for you in Jesus Christ and then simply follow him. Follow him. He'll take you. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.